You are listening to the Jesus, Dietrich, and Me podcast. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode, episode 13, as we talk about revenge. Welcome to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. It is, at the time of recording, it is Wednesday, September 16th. Pastor Hill, we are officially uh, halfway through September. And guess what is coming? Winter. Oh, you mean Christmas. (laughs) Christmas is on its way. And that is very exciting. I'm hoping COVID cancels cancels Christmas. (laughs) Well, if COVID cancels Christmas, you know what that's going to want? That's what's going to spark in me. Maybe a little, wait for it, revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a long way for (laughs) for a segue. We are going to be talking with you about revenge today as we continue our discussion uh, with Dietrich Bonhoeffer again. Uh, my name is Tyler, and across from me is uh, Pastor Hill. As we continue to just walk through the uh, the book, The Cost of Discipleship, with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, have some, some good insights uh, based on his theology, based on what Christ says, and sprinkle in a little bit of our own thoughts for what, for what that's worth <laughs> as well. Uh, so we're going to kick off uh, just, again, we're going to be talking about revenge today. This is chapter 12 in, in Bonhoeffer's book. We've been kind of bouncing around, but we wanted to talk about revenge just because we feel like it plays pretty well on the gospel lesson that, that we had last week. And, um, and this, is, of course, was the, the gospel lesson. If you, are, if you are a member of a Lutheran church that, that uh, follows the, the three-year lectionary. Yeah. Uh, the, a real one. You know, <laughs> you know, a real Lutheran, a real Lutheran church. church. If you are one of those, I'll give, I'll give the one-year lectionary props, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least a lectionary. If you are, if yes, if you are one of those churches, your, your gospel lesson was uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant, and um, or I would say even the the parable of the forgiving master, maybe. Uh, so we talked about how, excuse me, how Peter. First asks Jesus, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven times. And Jesus says what, Pastor Jim? Not just seven times, but... Yes, 70 times seven. Or in the Greek, we, we uh, see the word myrion, which we get the word myriad from, which means beyond number. Yes. So you just so sort of like the national debt. Don't, yeah. yeah. So in other words, Christ is saying uh, not just 490 times. Right, but he means to continue to forgive as long as you can, as long as you well, not as long as you can, even when you can't, continue to do it. And the message of that parable is, you know, it's Christ's strength that that for allows us and compels us to forgive. And we talked uh, at length about that. Um, you know, and we were all over the place on Sunday talking about forgiveness and how forgiveness is the beginning of of healing when it comes to conflict and. Because the and one of the things that, that I know that I talked about in the sermon was the the contradiction, not contradiction. I guess the, the juxtaposition, the a better word of kind of what the world expects from us versus what Christ expects from us or demands of us. And the world would say, you know what, seven times, Peter, seven times, that's enough. <laughs> in fact, uh, Jewish culture, I think it was yeah, it was three times. Actually, actually, it's not three. It's it's like strikes. It's not not you get three strikes and another swing. It's 
you get two strikes get, and then and one then, more and you're and out. And you're out. So, so yeah, the so third really, time you don't have so to. So really it's almost it's only you get two chances right. essentially, right? Yeah. yeah, so that's that's what that's what the world would say. Peter's being a little generous and he says, mm. "You know what? Let me I don't think the world would even say three strikes." Well, right that's now, true too. We'll, yeah, we'll get to that in uh but I think Peter's being he's been a little he's been a little generous and said, "You know what? Let me let me show Jesus just how just how forgiving I am. I'll do uh Three times two plus one for good measure. And Jesus again says, no, I want you to continue to forgive. Is forgive as long as it takes for that message of forgiveness to sink into the person that you are forgiving. And you, you put that next to, again, what the world would say. And as Pastor Hill just, men- just mentioned, I think too often we are, we are faced with situations in our life. And that particularly rings true uh, for our people down here at Family of God where we get to serve. And it's really, it's not two strikes and you're out it's not three strikes and you're out it's certainly it's certainly not seven times or 70 times seven times it's one and done and yeah. and it's you hurt me once and watch your back you hurt my family watch your back t- even even more and some of it sometimes down here it's proactive i'll hurt you before you even can think about hurting me right right don't even yeah don't even don't even think about what it is that you, that you want to do. And mm-hmm. So that leads us to what we wanted to talk about today, which, again, we're going to be talking about revenge. Yeah, but first we're going to talk about forgiveness, to put revenge in a context. And uh, of all the Christian virtues, the one least likely to be found in the family and in the church and in the community and the nation is... Forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah. Uh, you get a better chance of finding uh, unconditional love than you do forgiveness. So it sounds strange to say that, but so two examples. I'm, I'm always eager to forgive. You allowed to lie on the air? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have to say? And I approve this message before you yeah. lie on the air. Yeah, and I, I approve this message. My yeah. own sinful self says. I'm eager. I, sure, I forgive. To those who are who have earned my forgiveness, I will forgive. Yes, those who only only those who are only those who are repentant, I will forgive. Truly repentant. Yes, yes. So I'm pretty good at that forgiving yeah. stuff. I think that's our that's a lot of our mentality. How about the other part of that forgive and forget, right, which is we talked about just recently. That's a load. That's a load. C R A P. Did I spell that right. Yes. <laughs> yes, you spelled anyway, that right. Any, anyway, your two stories. Yeah. So, and and you can ship that because the first is uh, they're both Holocaust stories, and probably you've heard one or two, maybe both. Um, the first is uh, a gentleman called Simon Wiesenthal. He's famous for his relentless hunting down of of uh, Germans and others who were involved in the Holocaust to bring them to justice. And he tells how when he was in the prison camp, a death camp actually called uh, Mauthausen or Mauthausen, uh, he's part of the workforce there uh, and his job was to clean up, uh, essentially it was a gym that had been converted into a hospital and of course they didn't have hospitals for the for the Jews, but for German soldiers who were wounded. And so while he was doing his job one day, uh, one of the sweet gentlemen of the 
<laughs> the Sherman Army came and got him and said, there's a soldier in here dying. He wants to talk to a Jew. And so he's brought to a dying young uh, man, an SS soldier, uh, clearly dying. I mean, there's no doubt it was minutes away. And right, I think he said the story says he had bandages and stuff, and, and pus, pus and, and all yeah, that and stuff. Yeah. Not good. And uh, he'd been on the Russian front, and he had engaged in a lot of the uh, organized killing, not the not the gas ca- uh, death camps, but actually go in the village, uh, dig a trench, line up all the people, and shoot them kind of killing, the Jewish people. And he had asked to see a Jew because he knew he was dying, and he knew there was a God, probably was a good Lutheran boy at one point, uh, or at least a Catholic, um, and he wanted to ask a Jew for forgiveness for what he did. And then what happened, Tyler? When when the when he asked Simon for forgiveness, I believe he reached his hand out and Simon took it. And when he asked him for forgiveness, uh, Simon was silent for a moment, and he dropped the young man's hand, and all he said was, "No." So he left him in despair, is what he did. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, imagine, um, yeah. that's the only the only thing that, that this young man wanted to hear was he's forgiven, and uh, Simon said, "No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. No. Like you, you've, you, that it's. We, I think we talked about this before because I think we actually may have told this story on this podcast before. So if it sounds familiar, um, you know, we're kind of. I think we're talking a little bit more about it, which is good, adding some more details, but. I think you know it's it's one thing to be tormented by your sin, but then it's it's even more to like you've you, once you've realized okay and you've come to this this epiphany Crisis so to speak point, really. yeah where you're like I I desperately I am I am you know as we joked before but for real like I am truly and heartily sorry for these things that I have done I'm realizing that I don't have a whole lot of time my whole life is starting to flash before my eyes. Holy cow! I've done some terrible things. I just want a word of forgiveness. Let me get that from somebody that I know that I've that I've harmed, mm-hmm. and the one person that can give you forgiveness says no. Yeah. I mean, that's to me that's a special kind of torment. You know, it. And you can debate with me, but it's almost a thief on the cross moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if Jesus had looked at him and said, "Oh, dude, you're going to die in your sins," yeah. Right. That would have been about the moment of despair there, right? It, um, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Well, thief, are you really? Are you truly repentant? No. Are you? Yeah. Uh, are you sure that I don't know if this kingdom is free? I'm not dying for you. I'm dying for those that that Good people. Yeah, yeah. If I'm dying for those that didn't that didn't do the things that you did. So obviously, because he became a, a Nazi hunter, he survived the camp. About 19, well, it doesn't really matter what year, he wrote a book called The Sunflower. In The Sunflower, he writes an essay detailing his experience and then asks the question, what would you do? And I forgot the number, 20 or maybe 36 scholars and eminent men, mostly Jews, answered his question, what would you do? And mostly the answer was? You did the right thing. We would have done the, the same right thing. thing. Yeah. WWJD, what would the Jews do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll hear about that. So Sorry. That uh yeah, th- and they had, you know, they had their arguments. If you forgave him, you would trivialize what happened. Uh 
how do you know he was really sorry? And uh, I think one uh, in the article that I read to a basis on, one of them wrote, you know, you should have commended him to hell. I mean, <laughs> don't leave him silent just or, or say no, tell him, welcome to hell. Uh, so that's a, in a way, it's a very worldly response to a request for forgiveness. Right. right. That falls under the, I mean, re- revenge, right? Oh, you didn't that do this, was so I'm not going, I'm not, I'm going to give you what you deserve. Yeah, it's revenge. I almost want to say petty revenge, but yeah. you know, there's nothing he could really do to the kid that wasn't already right. done except to leave him in despair. <coughs> and then, <coughs> excuse me, the other story, the opposite story is Corey Ten Boom. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they, you out there in listener land remember this story as well. Okay. Right, and must be one of my favorites. I, I, well, I was just gonna say. Well, and we've also told, <laughs> we've been telling these stories all week because yeah. the the theme here and the theme at the church that, that we got to visit last this past Sunday uh, was forgiveness, and so we've we've echoed these stories because they go they go so well. And it's not that they go so well together, but the you they compare so well together. Against each other, yeah. yeah, and yeah, there's yeah the tension. I think yeah the tension's good. So Corey Ten Boom, right? Uh, yep. Uh, she wrote a book called *The Hiding Place*, which is about her and her family. Um, good Christian people, not Lutheran. They would have been reformed. <laughs> you said, <laughs> you, uh, you said on Sunday morning, you said the only the only thing that that wasn't good about Corey Temple was that she wasn't a Lutheran. <laughs> yeah, she's a Calvinist, but that's right. Uh, <laughs> God will overlook we're, that. We're kidding, those of you that are not Lutherans. So, in her case, she and her family were arrested because one of their neighbors had turned them in as uh, for hiding Jews. Her parents, they were just, just disappeared in the camp, was dead, presumed dead. And she and her sister uh, ended up at a prison camp called Ravensbrook. Um, and most of her book, Hiding Place, is about her struggle to keep her sister both physically and spiritually alive during uh, the years they were there. And, oh, by the way, just as an aside, I don't think I've told Tyler this, you think Germans never make a mistake? She was released by mistake. Oh, well, you know, no, you had, I, I did not know that. Yeah, you know how they had the, the numbers on their arm? Uh-huh. Uh, they were supposed to discharge somebody else, and whoever wrote the discharge wrote the wrong number. Wow. And so she walks out of the prison camp wondering what happened. Well, obviously it was God, right? Right, oh, for sure. Of course, the other person stayed. In the, never mind. It uh, wasn't good for the other person, but uh, after she was released, her sister died in camp, um, became an evangelist. Eventually, by the way, she worked with Billy Graham. Uh, 1947, so that's not long after the war, two years. Um, she's preaching in Munich. Yeah, I know, I said preaching, and she's a woman. She was preaching in Munich, and afterwards... Uh, a German uh, man came up to her and congratulated her, you know, like typically, great sermon. <laughs> right. And uh, Great sermon for a line. Yeah, I, I like how you uh, uh, talked about forgiveness. And well, she, she quoted Psalm 103, right. that God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And wherever it says, uh, thrown to the bottom of the mm-hmm. sea, where she quoted that too. Yeah. This is important part of the story. She's going to get to eat her words here in a second. Um, and she said to him, 
he said to her, rather, I was a prison guard at Ravensbrook. Mm-hmm. She looked at him. He did not know her, didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. Yeah, because uh, he he had been she had been tormented by him. Yeah. She and her sister. And right? Her sister brutalized. His favorite sport was whenever, and I'm sure it wasn't frequently, they were allowed to have a shower. He would be in there mocking their bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a little club that he liked to whack the women with, and so every woman remembered this guy. Right. And uh, he said, he actually said pretty much what the SS soldiers said. He, except in a general. Fashion, because he didn't know who she was, he asked um, if that forgiveness extended to him. And what Corey uh, says is, it was a. Uh, there's the hand sticking out, and she's fumbling in her purse, trying to do anything but let him see her hand. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to God, saying, "Oh no, <laughs> you know, thanks, oh, yeah, what thanks, thanks, God." Yeah, and. Uh, uh, it boiled down to this, just a long story short. She boiled down to this. She she knew that she was being called to forgive him, but she couldn't do it. And uh, she came to a point mentally when she was talking to herself and said, I, I can't say the words, but I can take my hand out and extend it to him. Mm-hmm. And having extended it to him, when she grasped his hand, that's the point where the Holy Spirit took over and uh, its story ends with her forgiving him with uh, her whole heart. Mm-hmm. Well, she actually said the words. She yeah. said, "I forgive you." Yeah, with my whole when, heart. When she had right, when she had yeah. no intention whatsoever to say those words. I always think of it like, um, like when you're at a funeral and you know, and you're holding yourself together, but then that one person comes in and you go to give them a hug. This happened to me because I specifically remember it was my cousin because it was my, my grandma had, had just passed away. And my cousin, I was, I was the only one in my family who not only anybody had really seen cry yet. And, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd had my moments, uh, but I was trying to, you know, put on that, (laughs) put on that tough face. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then when I saw my cousin and he, he's coming through the line and I hadn't seen him in a while and he, like it was right as he started to give me a hug like he had just like our bodies had just touched and i just lost everything it just kind of kind of like that the human touch you know sparked a a certain emotion or a certain things that you say and you know so kind of imagine those moments you know it's in in your life when you had no intention of doing something and then you know a, a touch of a hand or or something like that and and that's what happened with with Corey she had no intention of saying these words but as soon as her hand touched this guard's hand forgiveness just flowed from her like a faucet you know what she didn't do is say Tam oh I know who you are right. <laughs> he's despicable um, she let she let him stay in that uh, ignorance of, of who she was and how much she already knew about him but extended a full-hearted forgiveness from Jesus. So two stories, um, and between them, uh, the first asks, what what would you do? What would another person do? Here in this uh, Corey Tinboom story, it's more like, what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Or rather, what has Christ done? Done. And so um, what was impossible for... Um, uh, Simon Wiesenthal and his Jewish comrades who reviewed his book, his essay, 
was to forgive uh, because they saw themselves as the injured party. They, we're the righteous people, and you did cruel and evil things to us, and you have to pay. That's revenge. You right. have to pay. You pay. So he's hunting for the rest of his life, but his motive wasn't justice so much as it was payback. revenge. Yeah, yeah, payback. Retribution. Yeah. So, wow. So you that. know, I could get in a lot of trouble here. There's a lot of that. It echoes in what's going on in our country right now. Retribution, revenge. Uh, I don't think you'd get in trouble. I think that, well, you might offend somebody, yeah. but I don't think you're saying anything that's wrong. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear your confession of what you or your ancestors did um, uh, or did not do, whatever, whatever it is, so that they can offer you forgiveness. Hmm. They want it so they can... So bring retribution or right, revenge. Payback or revenge, yeah. Well, I, yeah, we were talking about that earlier with, with all the things, and it's like, yeah, I mean, people people being stopped in the street, and they're like, you know, you your ancestors owe me this. And, and I'm taking it. And I'm, <laughs> ta- and I'm taking it. You you owe me that. Or, you know, with the, we've, I know we've talked about this at length, and, um, you know, and and I, I posted a, a very emotive <laughs> response uh, just to the response of the, the rioting and the looting that was happening in Detroit and all around the, all around the country because that's, there's no desire, there's no seeking of forgiveness there. There's no, there's no, yeah, it's, it's people seeking your confession. You tell me what you've done wrong, not so that I can forgive you, so that I can pay you back what or what not you got, so that we can be reconciled. Right, Recon- with, with all the things that are going on, people might say that reconciliation is the goal. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Either. Um, and I, and it's not to say that that the, well, you know, we're, we're, this is what we're going for. But again, we're, your actions. This is what my mom always told me. Your actions speak louder than your words, and the actions of people, white, black, whatever, whatever race that you are, it. it the the goal is not because even because like cause here's what's happening with with the white community the the black community is responding to the white community and now the white community is responding even more to the black community and it's not it, there there is no it, there's no there's no equality there's no pursuit of reconciliation it's you're going to do this to me okay well I'll show you let me do that let me do you one more and then, okay, I'll see you there, and then I'll, you know, and I raise you this. It's like a poker game. I, yeah. It's 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 gotten so out of hand, and reconciliation is never has never, in my opinion, maybe it started that way, where reconciliation was the goal, but it it, it it's gotten so far out of hand where yeah. we're just people are just trying to see, and take and get payback and revenge for what other people have done. In in many ways, it's also about power, but sure. Um, so that brings me to the first difficult thing that Bonhoeffer says. Like he says lots of difficult things, right? But uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing here from chapter 12. Um, he's saying that violence, uh, if, if violence is resisted by violence, it's kind of reflective. Mm-hmm. It brings more violence. Uh, and he suggests that the right answer is to not uh, well he's saying turn the other cheek he doesn't say it like that but the whole idea is the more you fight against evil um, and I'll make sense of this in a second the more evil is going to 
double down, mm-hmm. and uh, which we've seen. Yeah, which we see. But you know, the scripture says, "Do not." What does it say? Do not what? Do not try to overcome evil with oh, evil. Oh, you, but to overcome evil with good. Good, right? So. Or, and Bonhoeffer uses this example, if they come to you demanding your coat. Just uh, give it to them. You give it to them. And your cloak. And your cloak. Bonhoeffer didn't say that. Jesus says that too. I know. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. yeah. He going to go one mile, go two. Yeah. He says that too, uh-huh. Bonhoeffer. It's, it takes the, he says, takes the sting out of what they're trying to do. Um, if you don't meet their anger with anger, this is really hard for me to swallow, um, if you don't defend yourself against evil, it will die back. Mm-hmm. Wow! But, and I well, we've seen that we've seen that here at Family of God. Not not so much overcoming evil, but you know, somebody comes in and they're riled up about something, and they start yelling and screaming. I mean, I, I know I've had to learn the hard way. Uh, you know, thinking that I need to defend myself or defend o- other people or the actions of myself or the actions of other people, and and raising your voice to get on their level doesn't doesn't solve any problems. It it, it just it magnifies the issue. Um, but what we have noticed is, and I know there's there's somebody one of our one of our deacons that is really really good at this. Uh, when somebody comes in and they're hot, they're heated. Uh, to use the the Hebrew idiom, uh, <laughs> say their nose is burning, <laughs> and and. Uh, you know they're you know they're they're just they're fired up about something whether you know somebody's hurt them or harmed them or they're looking for somebody and John will simply he just presents a very calming presence and the guy will I remember when this happened the guy continued to yell John continued to be calm and eventually the guy was like why aren't you why aren't you yelling back and John's like he just continues to have this calm demeanor about him was not going to engage and eventually the guy calmed down and they were able to have a conversation about what happened. And, you know, I think that speaks to what, to what Bonhoeffer is saying. It's, it's more than just, it's, it's what he says when he says, don't resist it. It's just, it's, um, it's not letting it happen. It's just, we, we call it passive resistance, yeah, right? So, um, you're actually echoing one of the, uh, passages that Bonhoeffer wrote. So I'm going to read that out loud. Mm-hmm. He says, the only way to overcome evil is to let it run itself to a standstill because it does not find the resistance it's looking for. Mm, that sounds exactly like mm-hmm. Resistance merely creates further evil and adds fuel to the flames. But only patient en- endurance, it's thing, with, with, I'm saying, I'm re-quoting him here, the mm-hmm. with patient endurance, it's sting, evil sting is drawn. Yeah. But does it really work like that? No, no, that no, because well, and I think part of that is because we love to resist. We we love tension. We love uh, we love confrontation as much as people are like, oh, I don't like confrontation. I'm not a confrontational person. Yes, 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 we are. <laughs> By nature, we are confrontational people. You know? I have a right to defend my rights. Well, yeah, that too, and and we yeah, that's you hear that, and yeah, this is not a natural. This is not a natural thing. The natural thing is what is what the Old Testament says is eye for eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And and that's not and Christ is saying, you know, Matthew five, so around the mountain, he says, You've heard that, and you've heard eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, resist not he that is evil, but whoever smites thee on your yeah, whoever strikes you on your right cheek, uh turn to them your other one also. And 
what he's saying is, is I mean, that's first of all, it's Christ fulfilling the law. So this no longer is not that it's abolished, it's been fulfilled, and we no longer abide by that because Christ has fulfilled that. So we don't go by that part, but we go by what Christ says. And this is what Christ says, you know, which is which is to be to do this this passive resistance. Because I know when we were first talking about this, I straight up asked Pastor Jim, so maybe I'll ask you again for the people, what's the difference between so what Bonhoeffer says here about the only way to overcome evil is to let it run itself to a standstill because it does not find the resistance that it's looking for. I would ask you, Pastor, how does this, so doesn't this sound a little contradictory to what we talked about the very first episode of the podcast, where the only way to, to stop evil or to stop injustice is to be a spoke in the wheel, to stop, to if nothing else works, put a, wheel, put a spoke right in the wheel so that the wheel stopped turning. Wow. Uh, could you um, raise the teleprompter thing so <laughs> I have put my script and answer ready? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's a, tough, it's a tough question. I mean, it's... I'm going to answer that uh, probably it's a, a yes and kind of thing. Oh, great Lutheran in, answers. So all these begin in with the yes example and. of the runaway wagon, um, what's going on is... The runaway wagon is going to hurt innocent people. And so it's not you that it's about to run over. Rather, it's the innocent person. Um, and so you're thrusting the spoke in the wheel for the sake of the person who would have been run over and killed. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about you. It's about someone else. Turning your other cheek is about you. Uh, giving somebody your coat and your cloak is about you. Um, walking the extra mile is about you. So it's not that he's saying different things. I think the context is different in that when the evil or the oppression is being put upon you, you're called to react in this particular Christ-like manner. But when the oppression is being applied to others, you have another obligation, mm -hmm. a higher obligation, uh, to rescue them. So that's why he speaks for the Jews, really, really beginning 1933, he speaks in defense of the Jews. Um, it's going to sound crazy, but yeah. Christian Jews first, and then Jewish Jews second. So what in the heck is he talking about? There were many Jews in the Lutheran Church, for in instance, who had converted and were generations away from uh, religious Judaism. And uh, that's when Hitler went after them, that's the first place that uh, Bonhoeffer raised his voice because Hitler said, they can't be in your church mm -hmm. because they're not Aryans, they're Jews. Um, and so, and that qu quickly led to him speaking for the Jewish Jews, and even the atheist Jews, agnostic Jews, but the first trigger is when they came within uh, the Lutheran congregations and started taking those Jews out. Mm. Um, so we have a higher obligation to defend the other. Um, see, what does the commandment say? Uh, which commandment was it? Thou shalt not murder. Shall not murder. But where's your catechism? It's, it's buried. It says, 
that we have an obligation, you know, the negative obligation is not to hurt or harm our neighbor, but the positive admonition is to do what? Essentially, to essentially to speak well, like I said, that, that's eighth grade. It's to it's to help your neighbor. It's to it's to make sure that they have everything that they need. It's to protect them. What is it? What does Luther actually say? Fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor. Yeah, but help and support him in every physical need. Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's what we're that's what we're going with here, and that's. Yeah. So I think that's the the difference. There is that it's it's the other that he's defending not himself. Um, and part of this is this bigger issue uh, uh, Bonhoeffer has faced us with, and that's exclusive, what was it? Devotion to Christ. Christ or the cross. So when I'm defending uh, my property or defending my uh, reputation or whatever is under attack, w when I know that such defense is in opposition to uh, Christ's admonition for us, then in, I'm having a moment of selfishness, right? Mm -hmm. um, instead of understanding, hey, this is the form of persecution it takes. Right. Um, they always attack your reputation. They always try to take your property. They try, always try to marginalize you and then, if, if possible, zero you out. <laughs> but. Uh, What was that Bible passage we were going to read? Matthew five. Matthew, yeah, I kind of kind of touched on it briefly. Matthew five, I think thirty-eight. Is that right? Um, let me pull it up here with pages. You can hear the, the ruffling of the pages. As we Sound effects. Yeah, yeah, that's a real that's a real thing. Um, just, just like baseball with the crowd noises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or the sound of the bat. Uh, yes, I miss real sports. But the Big Ten's playing. Though you found that out today, so that's exciting. All right, Matt, on to more important things. Matthew 5, 38 to 42. Uh, this is right before we talked about loving your enemies, right? So he says, in regard to retaliation, he says, You have heard that it is said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I just said that. Uh, but I say to you, do not, do not resist the one who is evil. Whoa. <laughs> but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Well, I'm pretty sure Thomas Jefferson would have used his little pen knife. And yes, he would have section. cut that one out and probably replaced it with, or maybe not replaced it, but just said, yeah. nah, I don't like that one because we know that he did that. Yeah. Um, and there's a statue of him somewhere but that's probably been taken down by now. <laughs> You're lowering your voice. You're afraid somebody's going to hear you. <laughs> yeah, so who is he talking about in that passage? Not your brother Christian. He is uh, talking about you or us. He's always talking to the people that are listening to him. So, yeah, and it, yeah another hard thing he says, and it, I think it's towards the end or in the next chapter, he talks about enemies. Um, and so in the world, and in the church, unfortunately, who are those who are our enemies? Well, I think there's two, there's like two kinds of enemies. There's like, yeah. there's like the enemy that you just don't really, you don't really care for. I think maybe three, maybe three. There's like the enemy that you don't really, you know, you don't really like. Maybe you disagree, but 
you know, you just kind of go, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from that person. Then there's the people that you act actually have confronted, have had confrontation with, um, people that you actually in you are in a in a worldly sense. Sorry, in a worldly sense, you hate. Um, you know, for instance, you know the the United States has enemies. You know, when we you know whenever we go to war, you know it's whoever we're battling against. Um, but then I think there's the the greater enemy, which is which is Satan, which is the one who prowls around and tries to, to, you know, to manifest himself in a lot of different ways. Um, so it looks different. So I think there's, I don't know if you can say that there's classification of enemies, but I think that there's diff- certainly different types. It's kind of like I, my hierarchy of, <laughs> of friends. You've got friends, buddies, acquaintances, uh, brothers, um, I think you have the same thing with enemies. You've got the people that you just don't really care for. You've got people that you really don't like, people that you actually have, that have hurt you, that have harmed you. And then you've got the ultimate enemy, which is Satan and his Okay, minions. so you failed Bonhoeffer 101. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. He says, uh, he says there's two. Just I was one off. Yeah. So I'm quoting. In the New Testament, our enemies are those who harbor hostility against us that's category one and category two which ought to be uh, an empty category zero those whom we cherish hostility against oh so since we're not supposed to hold hatred in our hearts the second category ought to be like i said zero yep unfortunately not true right right oh for sure and yeah well there's a lot of things that we're not supposed to harbor in our hearts that we do (laughs) and uh yeah, thanks, thanks, sin. There's not one thing, it's another. So let's just take those words of Bonhoeffer for a second. He said, in the New Testament, our enemies are those who harbor hostility against us. That means active. Right. It doesn't mean those who could care less whether you're here or there or don't know you or are oblivious to you. These are people who are hostile to you, and they would act their hostility out in various ways, like like burning down a building, throwing rocks at you, or shaming you shaming on, on shaming social media, yeah. or yeah. Um, those that's are a, your enemies. Yeah, that's a that's a type. I'm not saying that that's just the one enemy. That's a type of, yeah. of enemy, the people that are harboring hostility against you. No, he says that's exclusive. So okay. if, if they are, like I said, indifferent to you, don't know you, um, could care less about you, don't pay any attention to you, that's not hostility. Hostility is hostile. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that makes sense. Because I guess if you, yeah, because if you're just kind of like meh about somebody, you're not really hostile you're just kind of going through life you don't really care i suppose yeah these are people who actively want bad things to happen to you gotcha and will participate in like ohio state fans yeah they'll participate in the hostility if they think they can get away with it okay so when somebody does those types of things to us the natural reaction is revenge yeah push back okay uh and you know, around here, uh, you don't. Uh, it's not eye for an eye. It's you know, 
<laughs> you it's eye, knife, it's I eye for your head. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, if, if you, if you hurt me, I will make sure you never hurt me again. Right. Well, that's, a, that's why I said it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, it's like a poker game. So I'll, okay, I'll see your eye and I'll raise you your arm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I see your arm and I'll raise you your head. You know, you just kind of, we always say that it doesn't, people, people are not concerned with getting even here. They're, they're ready that they're willing, they're going to escalate it. They're going to yeah, finish and it. And like we said earlier, they're even willing to do preemptive stuff. Yep. Just in case you're thinking about hurting right, me, right. Yep. I'm going to hurt you. So how does that compare to how Christ endured his uh, three years here on planet Earth? How does it compare? Yeah. Well, how many enemies did Christ have? How many people were actively opposed to the things that he was doing? How many, how and, many times did it say that? Come back to that word myriad or myriad. Yeah. I'll say how many times did people, did, did it, does it say in Scripture that they sought to kill Jesus or they sought to arrest Jesus or they they chased Jesus? Like, I mean, Jesus performs this um, this amazing escape after they've chased him out of the city and mm-hmm. <laughs> he says he just disappeared, and uh, you know see. So, he faced he faced a lot of adversity. He faced a lot of of confrontation. He had a lot of enemies because you either fell into one of two crowds. You either you were either somebody who was a follower of Jesus that thought that Jesus was going to take down Rome, and he didn't in the way that you wanted him to, or you were Rome. <laughs> you were the rulers that or the Jewish rulers and thought that you that that he was going to t- to take you down. So you're like, there's no way that he's going to do this. So, so yeah, it's which, better for one man, right, to die than the whole nation, die. right. So it's so what you what you were you were left with was a bunch, you know, percentage wise, very few people that that followed Jesus, that believed in Jesus, and that also made those same enemies. But Jesus did not push back. I always I always look back. You know when when he's standing before Pilate and and Pilate's questioning or not, not Pilate Caiaphas when he's questioning him about all these different things and and Jesus just just stands there silently and uh, and you know doesn't doesn't say anything his his silence is deafening and um, you know the the meekness that, that he shows and I've always heard that and, I'm tr- and I truly do believe this you know his meekness was not his weakness meekness is not weakness and sometimes we we mistake meekness because Christ Jesus could have fought back when he was on the cross. He could have got down, you know. If some somebody spits on him, he could have made boils appear on his face, right? He could have done all these things, but he he opted not to do that. He opted to remain silent. He opted to passively resist it. And what happened? It it eventually it eventually ran its course, and Christ overcomes. This is all part of his plan. Hmm. So just to pick up that word meekness, uh, as you said, meekness is, again, not a problem of not having power. Meekness is choosing not to exercise mm-hmm. your power. Right. And uh, certainly had all, you know, what do you say, the pilot, you know, legions or 10,000 angels mm-hmm. would come and rescue me. Yep, if I called for them, but I, but I, don't, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and then finally, you know, the people, the, those that were there speaking for the whole people of Israel uh, said, we have no king but Caesar. Right. So, wow. And from the cross he said, Father... Forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. Yeah, I always think that's that's obviously true because Jesus said it. Right. I mean, there's another <laughs> sense when they knew exactly oh, what of course. they were doing. Right. It's not, yeah, we never say that Jesus is a liar, but it's like how, but what? Of they course did. they knew what they were doing. They, didn't they just know. didn't know the magnitude of what it had. They didn't know how it fit into God's plan. Right, exactly, which is what he means by that. And so the example set before us is to be, um, like it says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, or we have the example of Christ um, suffering, I guess I would say indescribable uh, pain and insult uh, for the sake of who? For the sake of us. Okay. So if I suffer nowhere near that magnitude from being persecuted by those who actually harbor hostility against me. Um, and even after I gave them my coke and my coat and my coke. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, glad I'm glad you gave up coke, Pastor Jim. Oh yeah, well, I had to give my Pepsi really easy. <laughs> uh, anyway, if I gave up all that and they still hated me, uh, boy. There'd be some part of me that would be a little upset, you know. I did sure. all the right things, and these people still, you know. Cloak? Yep. Coat? Yep. We good? No, I want your underwear. You know, <laughs> they want everything. But uh, the example of Christ, we are to do things. Uh, we share in the suffering of Christ. We're following the example of Christ. But I think the key is that it's also a witness to Christ. Because uh, not seeking revenge, offering forgiveness where nobody would forgive, what would you do? That whole command of Christ lived out in our lives is so alien to the world that even if they hate us and him, they got to notice it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, how come, how is it that I was thinking about this, and I know you, we've talked about this before here, and I know you've mentioned things like this to me before too. People eventually, I mean, this is, this is how family of God operates. Eventually people are going to say, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you not striking back? Why are you just letting this happen? Well, it's not because I, it's not because I'm, I'm a weak person. It's because this is what Christ has called me to do. And Christ has not called us to weakness because it's his, it's, it's his strength that dwells in us through his spirit. But it, it testifies to, to who, who he is. So there's a sense when you say, why are you forgiving me when I don't deserve forgiveness? My answer has to be some version of, I forgive you for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Um, and no other reason, you know. And yeah. uh, why are you doing this when you know that I uh, don't respect you or your religion? We have um, Muslims come in here every once in a while, and they're all so careful about pork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I try to be careful to make sure there's something for them to eat that's not pork. Right. But I only do that for the sake of Christ, not because I'm a. Uh, well, yeah, and it. I mean, it'd be easy to say, well, tough. You know, tonight we're having pulled pork, so yeah, su sucks to be you. Pulled um, pork with bacon. <laughs> yeah, which sounds amazing. But, um, but uh, no, I mean, it's, 
Yeah, it's not that. Christ didn't die on the cross so that we can give a, give a Muslim person something else instead of pulled pork. I mean, it's but it's it's the it's it's the response. It's okay. I'm not I'm not becoming. I'm not saying tough. I'm not treating you like you know a, like lesser of a person because you don't you know you don't have the same cultural beliefs that I do or or you know in the sake of of most or not all Muslims the, the same spiritual beliefs that I do. Um, I'm still going to treat you the way that Christ has taught me for or yeah, even for the sake of even Christ. if you're Jehovah's Witness, I would do the same for you. Even if you were Seventh Day Adventists who won't eat pork, I would do the same for you. Yeah, uh, because um, I'm trying to reflect Christ to them. Um, right, and that's tough. It's tough because it's a lot of times it's it's way it's way easier just to just to say tough noogies hey you guys are teaching heresy so therefore i'm not gonna i'm not gonna feed you or i'm not going to be kind to you or i'm not going to you know do whatever but i i know plenty of pastors that when they get excited when jehovah's witness people come to their come to their door because they're like oh i have an opportunity to witness i have an opportunity to witness to somebody that doesn't know jesus or know jesus in the saving way that 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 we know jesus to be and and they take the time and they they're like hey you know what i would love to hear what you have to say um let's but let's talk about it let's let's have a conversation i mean i know one guy he said he sat down and he talked to jehovah's witness guys for two hours so much to the point where one of his buddies because jehovah's witnesses always pet travel in packs of two and i've heard i don't know if it was you that told me yeah. this that they do that because they want it they need to make sure they stick to the script because and they report on each other, right? And they st- and so like this guy was was listening to what this other guy was saying about the truth of Jesus, and the other guy just starts kind of giving him a little elbow, like we we got a script to stick to. Yeah, we, time to leave. It's <laughs> time, yeah, time to go. Yeah, um, you know, and rather again, rather than me saying, "Hey, you guys, you guys are you guys are teaching some some weird things," so get off my porch and don't ever come back here. It's you, know, you treat them with kindness for the sake of Christ, because Christ mm-hmm. would would and has treated them with grace and mercy as well. So maybe a wrap up for, for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, scripture says to us, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." Whoa. I've heard There's that. I've heard in that. I've heard. Well, I say I've heard that phrase here before, but it wasn't uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's vengeance is mine, says Tyler. <laughs> vengeance is mine, says Jim. Vengeance is mine, says whoever. But yes, the Lord says vengeance is mine. I will I will repay. That is not forgiveness when you say, I'm committing you to God and he'll give you the justice that you deserve. Right. right. Uh, maybe with whipped cream and cherries on it. So, uh, I was baptized with water. You'll be baptized with fire, and that's the way. We'll all go our separate ways. Yeah, but again, revenge is such a a natural uh, human instinct, um, and and uh, let's take ourselves out of our current situation. You, You can go to Eastern Europe, and there's people who hate each other and are seeking revenge for things that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years Mm -hmm. ago so it's it's a global thing Um, it's like part of our DNA to uh, seek vengeance to even the score 
to do a little bit more than even the score sometimes. Hmm, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think in that uh, in those moments, for sure, it's it, it's when we when the desire to the desire to not just get even, but the desire to push it even further, the desire to get that retribution and and to uh, ensure that it's not going to happen again. We have those earthly, those sinful desires. This is where we simply call upon Christ and say, Christ in your spirit, and allow me to rely on the spirit that you've given to me. Um, because this person is really it, like it's like what like what Peter says, Lord, how many times I can just imagine he's he's griping. He's like this guy, <laughs> this guy has done evil to me so many times, and I am all forgiven out. <laughs> I have nothing left to give. How many times should I forgive this person? How many times should I? Is like is seven good enough? Like that's overly generous. Like I'm, I think I'm doing him a solid by giving him seven opportunities. And Jesus says, "No, you're you're to you're to forgive him a myriad of times. You are to continue to forgive, and to live a life of of forgiveness, because you have first been forgiven by me." So, I guess that's probably our challenge for you this week, is to is to be thinking of the moments in your life when you are faced with faced with a decision of revenge, or are you going to turn the other cheek? Are you going to passively resist? Um, and and that's gonna it's gonna it's gonna feel weird, probably because that's not the way that sin has wired us. Y- you may even get people that say, "Well, you know, you're a coward because you didn't you didn't take care of business," and you know, I'm, think back to what what people were saying to Jesus when when he was being crucified for you, and he was doing this all of this for you, and Jesus didn't, Jesus did not strike back and but on the last day he does say and he does promise he says vengeance will be mine and until then we hold fast we hold to what is true and what we know is right which is the grace and the forgiveness of Christ that we are called to share with one another so as we wrap up thank you everyone for uh, for listening today uh, hopefully this was this has been a, a good episode I think we've had a couple really good episodes uh, you know, working in, in, in the works and um, we're, we're grateful for all of you that continue to, to listen. Uh, please, please share, rate and review. Please let us know. Uh, and as always, if you're maybe you stumbled upon this episode for the first time, go back, go back and listen to a couple of the other ones because we, we highlight a couple of other of, of Dietrich's, uh, Dietrich's chapters, his, his quotes, his phrases, um, throughout throughout a lot of his his book, the cost of discipleship. So, everybody have a have a great week. Remember how much that God loves you, uh, that so much that He has given His one and only Son to die for you, and in Him, we have eternal life. Have a great week. We'll talk with you all very very soon. Jesus Teacher Me is a Family of God Lutheran Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested, check out FOGDetroit.com for more information about Family of God. God has blessed us with a number of different congregations that support us. We cannot do this without you. Make sure that you subscribe and you review the podcast on the various uh, platforms. We would love to do this for you and continue to do this, but we need your feedback and it helps other people to see it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Again, we will talk with you all next week. Thank you.